I'd like to welcome everyone to today's episode of Truth. Today's guest, we have a special guest, John Hall, 12-year law enforcement. Today, John's going to go in with, you know, some of the different cases that he's had a handle that were interesting. And, you know, he's also going to go into, you know, some of the different hobbies that, you know, helps with him, you know, overcoming some of the different stresses that, you know, he faces in, you know, his daily activities, plus, you know, some of the other conditions and things like that that we'll get into that John will get into as well, too. And, you know, I also, you know, want to share, I'm going to start doing this on each broadcast as well, too, because, you know, one of my main points in all of this and humanizing the badge, humanizing, you know, first responders, you know, and smashing the stigma for individuals to be able to say that, hey, I'm not okay. You know, I want to provide everybody different hotlines. So, you know, any kind of first responders, you know, law enforcement that are in distress or they just feel like they're alone. You know, there are different hotlines you can call. Copline, for example, it's ran by, you know, retired law enforcement. There are some active law enforcement that also man the phones. You can dial the 1-800-COP-LINE, which is 1-800-267-5463. And there's another one as well, too. It's uh, Lifeline. It's like the, the National Suicide Hotline. And that's 800-273-8255. Or, yeah, so, you know, I just, I mean, I, I don't want anyone to ever feel that they're alone. You know, my number is 833-HERE-247, which is 833-437-3247. I'm available 24-7. I just, regardless of how small you think the things are, nothing should ever, you know, reach to the end. And that's one of the kind of the talking points that, you know, John's going to be discussing with us today. And, uh, you know, just different ways that, you know, we as individuals can kind of overcome the different stressors, the depression, whether it be depressed in the moment or actually have clinical depression and, you know, methods that we can overcome that and encourage everybody to start doing buddy, brother, sister, dispatcher checks, you know, more frequently just to check in on our fellow officers, fellow law enforcement, fellow dispatchers, fire, EMT, military, all the way around. So, John, thank you again for joining us and How's the day going for you? Uh, it, it's going good. Had to work over a little bit, a little stress getting here, but otherwise I'm, I'm good. It, it, and I, again, I commend you on that. You know, for some of the viewers at home, you know, John drives 45 minutes, I'm going to say hours again, 45 minutes just to, you know, go to from, you know, despite the 12, 13 hour shift that he actually pulls as well too. So I do appreciate you making it home and, you know, giving us this time to kind of, you know, share your life stories with us and, different things that may benefit so many others. There's a, there's a couple of things I want to show you first, just because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to talk about stuff that's kind of stress, you know, related stress relief. Um, and this is in no way against what you were saying, you know, trying to help people. I just, I thought this was funny, especially since I'm off duty. Everybody no, can. No methods that we can overcome. Please cancel my subscription to your end. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. That is great. But you know, you know what though? It's the, you know, you, you say that, but not you're sure, but I'm saying like, you know, about, you know, me wanting to kind of eliminate some of the different things, but you know, it is the humor in things and us being able to find the humor in things because, you know, even though it's a little comical, there is real life in that though, too, because it's just that, you know, when, especially when, because we never know another individual struggles. So when somebody already has so much so much shit just sitting in their mind and everybody else is just trying to feed you an issue, I forgot to take my dog to get its haircut today. It's just like, <laughs> I just fucked up somewhere. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we have to have some kind of humor. I'm, I'm, 
you know, amidst all of the, the chaos that we have going on in our minds and, you know, what's being exposed every day. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> I love that shirt. <laughs> I think, uh, I think several people get a laugh out of this one too. It's, it's really one of my favorites. It's for it's for it's for it is the top world's okay. <laughs> that is great. And then, hey, if you want to show the viewers that that blanket behind you from my, my heroes wear blue that you got, yeah, it's kind of hard yeah, to see the whole thing, but uh, it's actually got my name. Best you can see it, <laughs> and it's got my uh my call number on it. And, uh, yeah, my hero wears blue. I mean, they've got some awesome stuff. Awesome. And then, so, I know you kind of wanted to kind of go over and share some of the different interesting episodes that, you know, you've kind of experienced through, you know, through your service. Yeah. Um, and some of these are really going to gonna seem minor, uh, I think a lot of people involved in law enforcement will kind of find the humor in it, but that's the thing about us. We really have to find humor in some of the most minor things. Um, you can have the most stressful. Yes. Yes. You can have the most stressful shift, but if you can make, you know, kind of light of one of those episodes, it, it does help everything. Um, you know, some people won't get them, but I think a lot of people will. It's just, it's little stuff. I mean, it helps a lot. It just really does. Um, and uh, some of the worst situations you can find something in, you know, it's not something, you know, people get hurt, people get killed. You're going to find humor in that. That's not it. Um, I had an incident night before last. Uh, a guy drove by me with a flat tire, completely flat, pulled in the gas station I was near. I went in to help him. And it was a van that he had just bought. And I get out of Jack, which is, uh, and I'll stress this, a lot of police-issued equipment is not sufficient. Um, I used one of the jacks I had, which was came with the, the car. It's a Dodge Charger. It was a scissors jack. And uh didn't think <laughs> it was going to make it work. And, and, and stupid me, I was focused on helping this guy. I was like, I, I'm going to make this work. I jacked it up as far as I could which was stupid. Don't ever do that with one of those jacks. And, uh, he, yeah. The, the more you go up, the narrower it gets. Um, and uh, yeah, my phone's shaking. My washer's turned on. So it's not an earthquake. We're good. <laughs> but uh, the guy got the tire off and I knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't tall enough, but he was trying to get it on. I was trying to help him. It slipped and the van fell. And luckily, he wasn't under it. The, the tire caught half of his foot, the front, tire, uh, front part of the tire. So luckily, it didn't hurt him, which, you know, helped matters. But I see it happen, and I am flipping out immediately. I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to help this guy. You know, how bad is he injured? As calm as he could be, he had a friend with him. As calm as he can be, he just said, well, boys, it's on my foot. <laughs> And I, I couldn't help but kind of laugh because I knew he was okay at that point. But it's just I'm freaking out and as calm as he can be. He's just like, well, it's on my foot. <laughs> but, so that that, that kind of made it easier. You know, I, I helped the guys best I could. We couldn't end up changing the tire. But 
I ended up helping him get uh, get where he needed for the night so he could change it the next night. But, I mean, you know, sometimes all you can do is as much as you can do. But well, and on top of that, though, too, is that you didn't even have to do that. You know what I mean? And that's one of them kind of things that's kind of out of sight, out of mind to a lot of individuals. You know, it's that, you know, you can see officers just driving by, people that are just like sitting on the side of the highway, whatever the case, they, they don't have to stop. You know I mean? It's not yeah, anything. No. It's, I mean, it's just courtesy, just to, hey, everything all right for you, you know? And Yeah, and I've had officers absolutely refuse to help somebody change a tire. I'm like, you know, man, that that's crazy. That's, you know, one, you know, people want to thank me. I've had people want to give me money. I'm like, no, you know, it's my job, which it is. But at the same time, I could get away with not doing it. It's not just a job. It's me. I like to help people. I like to try to make things, you know, better for them, uh, you know, a better day. At least, you know, hey, somebody cares and they did try to help. I could have just kept doing whatever I was doing, never pulled out, never tried to help the guy. And honestly, nothing would have ever been said. But I, I feel it's kind of, you know, my job. It's as an employee of a police agency and as a person, it's my job to try to help somebody because, you know, I mean, sometimes that's all you got. 100%, you know, and I mean, and that's, that's a great mindset to have too, you know, and, you know, during our last broadcast, you know, we, we spoke, you know, of something similar to, you know, I mean, and, and we spoke of something similar to that, to where, you know, it was the, you know, what if you did have those days to where it didn't matter or, oh, you know, they'll be fine or, you know, they might have AAA or insurance, you know, I mean, it's just that, you know, a lot of times it's just, and it's, and it's not hard to fall into that state of mind, especially with, you know, fatigue, as we spoke, you know, of before and everything else too, or, you know, different pressures of at home or different stressors of the job or, you know, the last call you just handled, you know, because there's, there's so much that's being processed from one call to the next, you know, you got family life going on, you got, you know, tiredness from, you know, just so many hours and everything else. So. And it can make a simple call seem a whole lot harder than it is. Uh, I was patrolling the highway, which our highway is, in our city, but it's actually, we have about six miles of state highway. It's in our city limits, but it's actually outside of the city physically. Um, none of our businesses run that highway. So really, we don't even have to go down it. But I try to go down at least a couple of times, you know, every shift just to make sure. And I had run across a guy. He had uh, had a flat tire. <clears throat> I believe it was a BMW somewhere along those lines. And uh, I asked him about it. So, yeah, I got a flat tire, but I don't I have I got a good tip coming. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, I, had, uh, I had asked him about it. He said, yeah, I got a flat tire, but I don't have the lug nut key. You know, some of these some of these cars have a lock and lug nut. If you don't have the key, you can't get that lug nut off. You're not getting that wheel off. I was like, well, let me look at it. So I looked at it. It ended up being the lug nut. What appeared to be the lug nuts was just a cap. You could unscrew it and you take that those caps off. Then you see the lug nuts just because the caps appear more appealing. I had the tire changed out in about 20 minutes and I asked him, so man, how, how long have you been here? He's like, I've been over here over an hour waiting on somebody. 
I mean, I know it, it kind of makes you feel dumb, but you don't realize what it is. I mean, 20 minutes, he was in and out, but it had I not showed up and offered to help where we are can take hours for a triple A or somewhere like that. That's not local to get there. It's ridiculous. Well, you know, it's like funny about that, but it's not really funny. It's like with today's generation, I'm not trying to beat nobody down or anything else like that, but like, you know, with a lot of the millennials and it's not even, it's not, I'm not even going to, I'm not blaming them per se, but like with educational systems and things like that, I mean, well, shit, even when you and I went to school, you know, they, they didn't teach you with the basic life fundamentals such as vehicle maintenance and, you know, taxes and things that are like really life essential, you know? And I mean, somebody's, so everybody's on their phones and things like that. I mean, people have to Google how to change a tire. I mean, it sounds stupid and it sounds unbelievable, but it's like, I mean, a lot of people don't even know how to change a tire and it's a life essential, you know, it's survival basically, you know, so. But I mean, how would, how would me and you ever got through life without having algebra and geometry? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that's you, if you man. take a squared times x minus four z, <laughs> who ever introduced letters into math? <laughs> like I had to learn the alphabet. Why do I have to learn it again? Yeah, and it's, you know, and so many different changes and stuff too. And like it's like with shorthand nowadays. You know, nobody speaks sentences anymore. Everything's the <laughs> TTYS, you know, it's like, it's like, come on, what do you talk you soon? Like, how did you come up with this abbreviation or uh, cursive? You remember whenever we were young, we had, uh, you know, the secret writing pens and, you know, the invisible ink. Now all you got to do is write in cursive. They don't know it. That's, hey, that, that, that is, that's a, that's a new secret language, cursive. <laughs> it is, it is. Oh, Ralph, you'll be getting a secret decoder ring. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, I'm trying to lighten up this one a little bit and, and show what, what you can have humor with. And, you know, don't be offended by everything. Try to find some kind of humor and stuff because life is stressful enough. Don't make it more than it has to be or you will, your head will explode. Well, um, you know, people taking things personally is offensive. That's what's offensive. It isn't like the things being discussed or, you know, I mean, there, there is some dark humor that some may think that goes a little bit too far. But, you know, what's offensive is when, like, people act like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just said that. It's like, well, it's, it's reality. It's good humor. You know, it's. It is. There's also a line. Um, and it, some of this has even made me uncomfortable. You know, you want to joke about situations. Uh, some of the stuff you say is not appropriate to say in front of certain people but i've been on calls where a medical where it's been a a serious medical or maybe somebody has you know even passed away and i've heard comments that's made me uncomfortable you know i'm like you know i know i know you try to find the best of a situation i'm not saying that may even be a good thing but the best of what it could be but you know there's certain times you don't say certain stuff uh i'll, I'll give you an example um, a lady had passed away at the time. It was not a death. It was kind of a trying to prevent kind of thing. You know, it was kind of a given, but there's still a little hope. Um, they finally got her out where they could work on her. And, then, you know, well, she's, you know, she's gone. She's deceased. Um, it happened to be one of our responders aunts, I believe. And uh, he was there, but he had went outside. 
And I'm like, you know, man, this sucks. This does. And one of the responders gets on the radio, which he has, and, you know, says, you know, hey, call the coroner. I'm like, damn, dude, you realize that that this guy, it's his family, has the radio. He's going to hear you. And as soon as I heard him key up, I basically ran outside and kind of put my arm around the guy. I was like, you know, I'm sorry. You know, she didn't make it. I'm sorry. You know, kind of gave him a hug. You know, to try to make him feel like, you know, we did care about him versus just hearing on the radio, you know, basically she's dead. And I, I kind of couldn't believe that that he had actually done that. I guess, you know, it was part of his job that he just kind of did it on instinct. But, you know, some of that you've got to have have a little bit of compassion and, and think about what you do beforehand. That just that one kind of bothered me. And it should, though, too, you know, I mean, because it's, you know, and again, you know, I've had this discussion with many other, you know, fellow law enforcement officers, brothers, sisters, everything else, too, the where, you know, training in the academy, when we go through the academy, it's, you know, you're learning policy, you're learning the physical fitness, you're learning the strategies, you know, different uh, tactics and all the other good stuff, but the mental side is always ignored. What is it? You're learning what's written down. Exactly. And there's no, there's no mental capacity or processing or, you know, dealing with the traumas on a daily basis or showing sympathy. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Or proper etiquette on conveying, Oh, Hey, I'm sorry. This pastor, Oh, he's not going to make it. It's like, damn, it's like, you know, I mean, is that, which, you know, it's, you know, some officers, they, they play that role to try to not get too involved where their own emotions don't get, the best of them. But in the same sense, I mean, there's ways of, you know, showing compassion, being empathetic in a way that, you know, can convey it to them to where they're, they're comforted, you know, just because you're there and listening to them and being, you know, receptive of that. And it's vital. You know? Yes. yes. Um, a, uh, example is uh, funerals. You know, I may not know this person, but I'm working the funeral. You know, I may be leading the procession. But if somebody comes up and talks to me, I'm going to speak to them with sympathy. I understand the situation. I have been through these feelings before. I understand it versus I didn't know this person. I'm just here to drive. You know, you, you can't be like that and be, be a good officer. I mean, just just as simple as that. And then, I mean, you know, on top of that, too, you know, and a lot of things that, you know, the civilian sector you know, kind of ignores as well, too, is when, you know, say we responded to an incident and, you know, you and I touched on us before as far as like time time frames go to where, you know, people don't want to get out of the way, you know, regardless of the lights being on, sirens blasting and everything else, you get there late, you're unable to, you know, save an individual or, you know, when dispatch you know, sent us out somewhere. We didn't know that, you know, paramedics also needed to accompany us and everything else as well, too. And then that blame game about, you know, the surviving parties of, oh, you didn't get here fat. I mean, that is a large trauma because then, again, going back to, you know, the last conversation you and I had as well, too, about the, you know, second guessing, you know, whether our superiors or anybody else is like, well, hey, you know, maybe I could have gotten there faster, you know, just because of them saying that, like, oh, well, if you would have got here sooner or, you know, why couldn't you have done more? You know, and, you know, they probably don't mean it, but it's just that 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 sense of grief that they're experiencing in that live moment. You know, a lot of 
a lot of civilians don't understand that, you know, we as individuals or, you know, you know, in the law enforcement sector also experience those emotions too. It's not like we're just like, oh, hey, well, they're dead. And, you know, <laughs> sorry about your luck. I mean, there, there is a, you know, like you just said, that, that kind of compassion and empathy as well. So there is. And I, and I wish people could understand this too. I understand the emotion. You know, hey, you could have got here faster. That's one of the biggest things. You're right. It doesn't matter how fast I drive. I could have got there faster. I could have also been in a wreck, hurt or killed myself, been in a wreck, hurt or killed somebody else. There's kind of a, there's, there's a medium you have to, to, to make. And like my dad taught me, if you can't get there, you cannot help anybody else. That's a great point. You know, and it's, and it's the same thing with just, you know, us caring for ourselves mentally and physically. You know, if we can't care for ourselves, you know, we can't do for our families or anybody else, too. And it's the same sense to where, you know, if we're not doing everything that we're doing, we're not going to be able to, you know, be the peacekeepers. Peace, you know what I mean? It's just it's, it's not even going to be plausible, period. Well, how you know, many so. times? Yeah. How many times do you hear about an officer getting killed on the way to a call? You know, it's a tragedy. It is. But at the same time, whatever call they were going to, they didn't help them. They couldn't because something happened to them because they pushed it too hard. Well, as, as a matter of fact, so this shirt right here, this this is uh, Officer Michael Magley. February 17th of this year, he was responding to a call and he was hit and killed by a drunk driver on his way to respond to that call. And then, you know, the, because of that happening, you know, the result of the, the call he was responding to, you know, it's a perfect example. And it's one of the things that's out of sight, out of mind to a, the civilian sector. It's like, well, why did this happen? Well, you know, real life happens to the law enforcement sector as well, too. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, absolutely. They It kind of gets to a um, tunnel vision mind. This is the only thing that's on my mind. But there's tons of other things that can that can happen. And like I said, if you can't get there, you can't help them. So I may try, you know, for lack of better words, I may be balls out trying to get to a call. And if I wreck, if I hurt somebody, if something happens and I don't get there, they're worse off now because I can't help whatsoever. That's when you needed the DeLorean. <laughs> spoke up earlier, you know. Fall off the but yeah, you know, I, I would like to share a couple of stories I, I found. Like I said, they they may be very minor. You may not find humor in them, being you know what what you're familiar with with law enforcement. But I did. Um, we spoke about the the depression. You know, your memory is is bad. I, I should have done what somebody told me to make a diary, basically, of calls. I wish I had. There's many many things in my mind. I know that was something interesting, something humorous, something important. But I can't remember it because I didn't log it down. My memory is horrible. But these stuck out. Uh, for one reason or another, they stuck out. Um, he, here's a, uh, a an example for something very minor. Um, we had a, a juvenile runaway, which she came back. You know, she was safe. Nothing happened to her. And as we were talking to her mother, she told us said that, uh, you know, I know it was her boyfriend that got her. I said, okay. I said, did you see them together? She she looks at me. It had to be me. I had a partner with her. It had to be me. She looks at me and said, no, I never verbally saw them together. Verbally. <laughs> if I look at a partner, I'm going to lose it. And it could not be professional, but I cannot. I'm just staring at the ground. I'm like, I understand, ma'am. 
<laughs> you didn't verbally say them together. <laughs> and it caught me. <laughs> it, it did. And another one, and I, I do not advocate this whatsoever. It's, it's dangerous. Don't do it. It's happened. I know it has to many people, but um, <clears throat> for a long time when I worked with the sheriff's office, we rode two up in a car, which usually for hours we were by ourselves is one big reason. But uh, we had got an extra patrol. You know, you need to go out to this county road on the mountain. Uh, you know, a lot of people are not familiar with mountains, especially around here. They're rural areas. There's not a lot of people around. So we went to this county road, so it's to be a lot of drug activity. So we we hide where people can't see us. We're watching the road. Nothing. Nothing is coming by. And my partner, who I swear had narcolepsy, uh, <laughs> he, he he dozed off. I'm like, okay, well, I'm watching. I'm watching. And I got tired. And I dozed off. I was like, you know, that's bad. Don't do that. But uh, he woke up. He's like, all right, you know, there's nothing going on here. You know, let's go somewhere else. We pull out on the road, start going down the road. We have a flat tire. Both of us, right off the bat, was thinking, how do we explain this to our superior that we got our tire slashed with both of us sitting in this patrol car? That's like... <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did your door get taken off while you were sitting in the car? You know, it's, it's something you don't want to have to explain. Luckily, it was a, a tire defect, but that have, had us worried for a few minutes. We drove past like a whatever metal shrapnel, and it just popped the tire. I don't know. Somehow it hit the complete sidewall of it. I don't know. <laughs> but it is, it's small stuff like that you have to find to find some in. Um. Uh, I'd actually, you know, we went back to the memory part. I actually wrote down a bunch of notes to kind of go over. So if you see me looking over, that's what it is. I appreciate um, that. You know, and John, you know, it's the, I commend you for that, you know, and, and, and this is the type of, you know, atmosphere that I'm actually trying to develop with this because, you know, the things you go through and the things that are important to you, it, it's not just you. You know, the things you're talking about is going to affect thousands of other individuals. And there's going to be thousands of other individuals that, hey, you know what? I know what he's saying. And that's, again, you know, how we're going to be able to overcome, you know, a lot of officers feeling alone. A lot of officers not wanting to address something that may be clinical depression. A lot of officers not wanting to address that, you know, certain shit is bothering. So it's in finding these, you know, good humors that we have. That it makes it happen. That's why, you know, I, I want you to get to your thing, but I want to share one thing real quick is that, you know, I always try to, you know, encourage, you know, officers to like stop in the local businesses, you know, and having chat with the local owners and things like that, because just having general conversations like that, it can lighten the day. And, you know, you get to share stories about, you know, maybe some of the crazy shit that they've experienced, you know, and it's just, and it helps lighten that mood and it, and it keeps the, the humanity you know, within, you know, the actual career. So it, it does. And I'm actually lucky. We, we have a small town. We only have one gas station and it is owned by a, um, uh, Indian guy. Uh, we call PK. The, and that's, that's what he wants to be called. The reason why is because, you know, he, he has a long Indian name. It's hard to pronounce. And when people try to pronounce it, they called him pancake. <laughs> um, so we, we call him PK and he, 
it's great. I love him. He he's very laid back and he's he's from India. He you know he he has the accent, but he's he's very well versed in English. He's very well versed in you know American everything. Uh, he's just a great guy, and I don't know why it is, but it's hilarious to hear somebody in an Indian accent cussing. <laughs> it's, um. I couldn't believe he even said this. Now he's the business owner. He's running the the desk, and this guy, this guy, <laughs> walks in and he's wearing a pink shirt. And he should have known that that PK does not have a filter. He's like, you know, hey PK, how do you like my shirt? In front of everybody in this store, he goes, "You look like pussy." <laughs> You said stopping in a business, he's cool, he's laid back, he'll talk to you. You know, if you got a question, if you want to look for somebody, he'll tell you. You know, and I don't know why, but it's just hilarious hearing an Indian guy call somebody a motherfucker. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it is, and it, it is though, too, because it, it does like you know, lighten the mood. Because you know, in a, in a lot of them, though, that you know, it kind of sounds like that, too, and they do it for good humor in a lot of times, too. You know, he does, and he's, he's an awesome guy, he's as friendly as he can be, and that that makes stopping in and, and talking, you know, a whole lot easier. You know, versus some of these people, this is my job, pay for it, get out. You know, he's he's really cool. He's very uh, in the society. You know, he talks to people, he cuts up with them, he's friendly, he knows all kind of stuff. You know, that that makes it a whole lot better. And it makes it, you know, kind of a stress relief to stop in and talk to him. That he, he can make you laugh even when he's really not trying to, but he understands that, you know, you know. He knows you're not laughing at him. He's making you laugh. And that, that helps a lot. That's another one of those small things. Just somebody that owns a business that's cool with you. Awesome. And then that, is that something that, like, is ongoing with, like, like, a, like is it a frequent visit with old pancake? But, uh, <laughs> It it is it's a that's where we get our gas from. So you know if you drive any length of time at night, that you go every every night, every shift, whatever to get gas. And uh, he's not always working, but probably about ninety percent of the time he's there. So with it being only one gas station, I mean, is is he twenty four seven? No, actually, uh, it's only from uh, well, I'm not sure in the morning. Say maybe four or five in the morning till ten at night. After ten at night, there is nothing open in our city. Uh, we have the surrounding cities that you can go to for stuff, but in our city, it's shut down. Uh, it's kind of surprising being the only only one there, but I don't run those stations. You know, we got a small small community, and it is hard to stay open when you've not got much business, which he doesn't like because he likes getting paid as frequently as he can. Don't we all? <laughs> I think frequency does not increase. <laughs> And gotta, uh, gotta increase the breeding in the population. <laughs> sometimes that's not always a good thing. Hard to know. Do you know where it starts at? <laughs> um and uh I got a couple of speeding ones. Uh one, if you're gonna make an excuse for speeding, make it a good one. You know, make it a believable one, make me laugh. Something uh I clocked a girl at 103 miles an hour. Uh, 
right at our city limits on the highway. I turned around and it was within, we've got six miles of highway. So it was within about two miles of uh, the end of our city limits, which actually goes into Tennessee, which complicates things. But, um, you know, I stopped her and usually I'm like, you know, hey, how are you doing? You got your driver's license? One of those things is like, you know, why are you driving like that? It's just straight up front, you know, like, why the hell are you doing this? Well, my car just rides so smooth. <laughs> I didn't know I was going 103. Yeah. Like, I didn't recognize everything one. You just passed. We're going slow. Their, their car didn't ride smooth is what it is, right? She got a ticket. She. Um, and people want to get defensive of why are you treating me? Why are you treating me like this? Why are you being cautious around me? Uh, I've lived here my whole life. I've got that. Great. That doesn't tell me your past. And I don't know. Well, I always drive this. How am I supposed to know what everybody drives? Um, I stopped the guy. And there, there's a little humor in this. But I stopped the guy for speeding. Um, nice gentleman. Well-dressed. You know, decent car. Well-spoken. Um, enough, I went back and wrote him a ticket. And I come back up there, give it to him. And I was like, you know, hey, yeah, you were speeding. You know, you tried to slow down, but you didn't slow down quick enough. He's like, yeah. He points to his dash, the radar detector. So, well, so you need to invest in a better one of those, don't you? Said, no, I need to quit speeding. All right, yeah, good, good enough. And I started talking to him. Never would have guessed this. He had just got out of prison for murder. Well-dressed, well-spoken, polite. I would have never guessed it. So don't be offended when we kind of act suspicious of you because we don't know you, even though you may appear slouchy, you may appear well-dressed. We don't know. He had just got out of prison. He had spent, I think 35 or 36 years in prison for a murder. And I don't know the details of it, but I don't know if that was justified. I don't know if it wasn't, but it's kind of a surreal moment of like, you know, Oh crap. You know, we, we know that we don't know who we're talking to, but that's a surreal moment. Like, oh, shit, we really don't. Um, and one of the most polite individuals that I've dealt with. So, you know, when we do deal with you, don't think it's because of the way you look. It's because we don't know you. We don't know your past. We can't tell by looking at you. One other thing, too, and like, you know, it's people argue with me about this all the time as well too, but, you know, kind of going back to the training aspect of things to where, you know, there, there's a difference between being biased and profiling someone, but in law enforcement, you know, profiling is a necessity. You know, we have to be able to read, you know, if someone has suspicious activity or, you know, why are they acting a certain way? Why are they, jittering wire like you know shuffling around hands and pockets i mean there's so many different things that you know play into effect upon that profiling it's it's how law enforcement keeps communities safe it's how predictive you know crime is addressed it's in that profile you know and you know you, you always have the, com the communities or the media you know trying to spin it on it's profiling because of race religion creed whatever the case may be but it's not it's based on specific profiling, based on real numbers, based on, you know, what we say. And it's, you're right. You don't know that, that suit, tie, everything else, you know, walking up to you. You don't, that person get underneath that suit and tie have 
feeling arsenal that they're, you know, doing a suicide bombing. You know, and it's just you don't know these things just by looking, but you have to do your best in that profiling of that moment, of the situation, of the surroundings and everything else, too. So well, people people use the word profiling to piss other people off. They don't have to give a reason. They say profiling. And you, you know what that goes to. And it's not, I don't want to use the word profiling. It is uh, the word I'm looking for. It's, it's paying attention to detail. This, you know, what I see going on here is usually consistent with this kind of illegal activity. Um, these top cars that come through here are usually involved in drug-related activity, are usually related to violence, the whatever. It's observation. Associ yeah, it's like associating activities to certain crimes and things like that. Yes. And, and you know, when if you're a known drug dealer or you've been arrested 17 times for something, <laughs> that's when we're watching your car. Chances are. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but but that does play into it. It's observation. It's not profiling, but they like to use that term, you know, profiling. Uh, observation. There's that. that that's the, that's the word I was trying to throw out there as well, too. Yeah, and it goes back to you don't know people. Even when you know people, you don't know people. There was a officer. Uh, look how many look how many crimes are committed of family on family or friend on friend or friend on family. And that, is, that just says it right there that you think you know somebody and it's like knife in the back, knife in the back, knife in the back. Here they are. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that, that's honestly a lot of our violent crimes is known to each other. There's rarely ever a just random occurrence of violence around where I'm, I, I work and I live. But I, I live very rural. There's not even a police department here. It's county. Um but where I live, there's not really much goes on. I can't even see a neighbor from my house, which I love. And I love that it's not where I work because I can work. I can go home. I don't have to worry about turning around. And there's somebody behind my back that I've arrested and I've pissed off. Um, but you drive, I think from where I live, you drive about 45 minutes and there's a fairly large city. Uh, and this has been probably about 10, 15. Uh, about 10 years ago, I guess, there was an officer got killed. Um, the And he knew the guy. Um, it was a DUI. The guy, they went to arrest him for DUI. He knew this officer. He had actually, from my understanding, been in jail before several times. He would ask for this officer, you know, hey, can you have him come back here, talk to me? You know, I don't know what those were about, but he would ask, you know, for him to talk to him. At that particular moment, I guess he knew, you know, this is however DUI I'm going to prison in his mind, you know, my life's over. So he was sitting with his arms crossed uh, just like that. And uh, two officers, him and one officer, leaned down to grab him under the arm and pick him up. And when when they did that, all he had to do, he had a two shot, uh, I think a 22 in his hand. All he had to do when they leaned down, let's see if I can get this right, is he had the gun in his hand right there. The gun is in his face, and he shot him and killed him. You know, once again, I see this guy. I see his hands, but he had a gun in him. You know, that's how minor it can be, and he knew the guy. They had talked before, but in that instance, you know, I guess a moment of panic that my life's over, I'm going to have to do something, and uh, 
they ended up he tried to shoot the other officer he wasn't able to they they got him you know and arrested him but it's it's that minor you know i know this guy i'm relaxed i don't have any worries with him i'm familiar with him it's not that case all the time you know and even with the hands you know show me your hands let me see your hands you're still watching them because even though you see them they can still hide something in it all it takes is this right here to hold something in their hand but I see their hand that there's nothing in it. You know, not always the case. You got to be careful with that. And even with familiar people, they can still have that moment where they snap. You know, I've got to make an action against them or I'm going to be in big trouble. Uh, and and another one, a story I want to tell is a, a well, guy. It's just, it's just like this right here. Like you wouldn't know that, you know, I have a knife in hand. You know what exactly. I mean? And then with these knives, I can just flick it out and, you know, blades exposed and things like that. And it's just like a flick of a hand. And then all of a sudden it's just, you know what I mean? And it's, 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 and it's not safe for people. And it's just like, even with, uh, you know, law enforcement is one of the things too, I'm trying to put in policy to where, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be regulated, but I'm a big, 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 big advocate of the 1911, you know, series on the pistols because it has the double safety trigger. It has the grip safety. And then it also has, you know, has the, the chamber safety. And also when you're like pushing for the depression to where, you know, it, it won't fire if it's like, you know, chest on or whatever the case is. And it's just, you know, for officer safety, because you don't know how many times officers trying to draw a firearm, you know, because of it being a scramble in there where their own firearm is discharged on themselves. And it's just, I mean, there's so many different safety precautions, but, you know, it's going into them instances like you just said to where you don't know. You know, but it's, it's serious moments and, you know, and then you in the media don't help out none, you know, because then, you know, all it takes is one person to see some stupid viral video about the, them questioning officers. Why is your hand on your holster? Why is your hand? On, I feel threatened. It's like, well, it's I don't know what I'm walking up to. That's why, that's why my, you know what I mean? And it's just there's nothing wrong with that. That's procedure. Yeah, you know I mean, and it's just, and that needs to be, you know, clarified because the real side of it is if somebody does get detained and, you know, they get their day in court, the, the age old law is the fact that ignorance of the law is no excuse for violating the law. So the same thing should be applied in understanding what police procedure is. That way there's no question about why officers are approaching your vehicle with hand on holster, you know what I mean? For their own safety and for the safety of any other civilians that may be around. You may have, you know, passengers in your vehicle that we may have to, you know, it's just, there's so many different factors that people are so blind to and want to try to play these games and the media feeds into it. And then you start seeing these different, you know, decreases in funding, which makes your job harder. You know, they have all these other different restrictions, makes your job harder. And it's and what they're doing, and it's, it's disgusting, is they're putting the benefit into the criminal's hands. And it's it, it's so reversed and it's so ignorant that it's anyway. It's, it's almost, you know, you've got the innocent until proven guilty. It's almost nowadays the officer was wrong. Wrong. Until proven otherwise. Yeah. And, and, um, that's, and that's that's. I'm glad you put it like that, because I mean that—that's basically, I mean, how things are progressing right now. Or I'm, well, that wasn't good. Digressing right now, 
You know what I mean? It is, and it's just like that to where, oh, well, hey, prove that you uh, follow procedure, you know, to the letter, uh, you know, Officer Hall. It's fucking crazy. It's like, yeah, and you can literally be like, okay, here's my procedure. Well, I'm not going to read that. That's what you asked. Did it, you see that? Did you see that lady just here recently that, uh, God, who was it? She, she ran some kind of podcast or some shit. I apologize about my language, but um, she was running some kind of podcast and like, you know, ending the podcast, you know, she said, fuck the police. She was doing shots while she was doing the podcast. She takes off. She's driving. She ran over, you know, a law enforcement officer, killed him. And then in the pursuit, she tried to run over other law enforcement officers. And then they show her coming out of court. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it when it's like the premeditation was in her podcast that she did before she even entered her vehicle the same day, you know, but then again, it was the, well, did the officers invoke her to do that? And it's, that should never be the case. I mean, and that is the America that we live in today. And it's fucking disgusting. It really is. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they were running from the police and hurt somebody. It's the police's fault. Well, you I, see I'm, that other officer that got, he got, he got fired. He lost his pension. He lost everything because he did a, a pursuit. And they said, well, you shouldn't have pursued. And he's like, well, I followed everything in policy. He was a criminal. <laughs> I pursued. And it's anyway. I, I didn't tell him, you know, hey, run from me and let me chase you. <laughs> I didn't tell you, hey, don't comply. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but uh, let me, I want, I want to run over this and it. It, it kind of ties back into my, you know, this individual and it ties into complacency, which I fell into and, and I had everything I needed to know not to, but I did. Um, we had an individual that was uh, 1096 for people that don't know 1096 for most places is a mental, mental person. They have mental problems. Um, and we had a misdemeanor warrant, which was basically, I think, maybe a harassment warrant. Just it was a legal warrant. So don't get me wrong, but it was a warrant to get him arrested, to get him mentally evaluated. Um, so I find him at one of the businesses, the, the store I find him at. Um, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to arrest this guy. I call for backup. Rarely ever do I have backup, but I did that day and I called for backup. Well, he starts walking away. I was like, Hey, man, come here. Let me talk to you. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Kept walking. I was like, Come here. Come here. I want to talk to you. Leave me alone. In my mind, this guy's got enough. He's about to run and I'm not going to catch him. So I take off running up towards him. I shouldn't have done that. When I took off running, my caution went out the window. All I could focus on is getting to him because in my mind, he's running. Well, guess what? He didn't run. He stopped. And as soon as I get to him within reaching distance, about to put hands on him, I see his hips slightly turn. Now, I don't know how I've seen this because I didn't expect it. It was last second. I seen his hips turn and I seen his right hand go back behind him like he's about to throw a pitch. It was all the way back. And all I remember is I threw my hands up. And I didn't even feel the punch, but I remember seeing his hands a couple of times. He was he was trying to hit me. Somehow I blocked him, and I don't know how, but he took off running. And I just drew my taser. I followed him, and I shot him full stride. Looking back, 
I'm not going to say it's funny. You can make your own decision on this. But looking back, he was full stride. When I shot him, his feet stopped, went up over his head, and it went face first like a handstand into the ground when I shot him with it. <laughs> you ever, you ever um, watch Ridiculousness? Exactly. You know, I, Scorpion? <laughs> yes, that was him. Um, and he ended up taking a couple of rides for what, you know, people don't know, a ride on a taser is five seconds. Um, that's automatic. That's not me holding the trigger down. That's an automatic. Then it will shut off. Every time that I was I was pissed because he tried to assault me. And every time it stopped, he just automatically tried to push himself up. Hit it again. He's already tried to assault me. I'm not going to give him a second chance. Finally, we get him handcuffed. We raise him up. And he's bleeding all over his face. I think his eyebrow, his nose, his face. Of course, he landed face first. You know, he's bleeding everywhere. You know, and we ended up, my partner was like, you know, hey, man, he threw something at you. And I remember looking down, I'm like, I see a cigarette butt. Or a cigarette butt at me? He wasn't smoking. I was like, okay, whatever. So I go back to the gas pumps to get my camera. And a lady there was like, whatever he threw at you is over by the store. Okay, so I go, and we were halfway in the middle of the parking lot. I go all the way over to the store and look, and there is a rock the size of a brick that he threw at me. It wasn't a punch that his hand went back on. He had that rock in his hand, and he, I mean, he should have been a professional pitcher. Um, and the only thing that kept it from hitting me is right here. And you he, know, he probably, he probably didn't even mean to throw it, he probably meant to do full impact on you realistically. He, yeah, it could have. And either way, just lost it, grip, you know. Yeah, either way, it would have disfigured me. It may have disabled me, you know, permanently because it was hard hit. It went, it bounced one time on the ground and went all the way up against the store. And like I said, we were halfway out in the parking lot. And this is a big parking lot. Um, so we get him checked out. He refuses medical attention. Now I want everybody to bear in mind this is a mental subject. You know, mental, not I have some weird thoughts. Um, so which he did, he did, but, um, we get him to the, I, I get him to the jail. They refuse him. Like, no, the way he looks, we're not taking him. You got to take him to the hospital, even though he refused treatment. So I take him, we get him checked out. It actually cracked his eye socket when he landed. Now I want people to think about this. It cracked his eye socket. It, you know, basically fractured a bone in his face when this happened, but, that looked okay to people because I tased him. Now, had I swung at him, hit him, blacked his eye, and that was it, now that's going to look a lot worse, ain't it? Even though it's less damage to him. It's about perception. Um, but and another thing, too, and I want to touch base on this as well, too, for you know a lot of the viewers and everything else, too, because you know especially with, I'm not going to say hatred, but it, a lot of it is hatred towards law enforcement and disinformation about law enforcement, disinformation about, you know, why we may choose to use lethal force opposed to the tasers and things like that. You know, a lot of people have misconceptions about the effectiveness of tasers, you know, because like you just said, you know, but when, when you're dealing with individuals that it doesn't affect, I mean, you can have individuals that are high on drugs to where the, the tasers, you know, rendered ineffective. And on top of that, there's only so many charges every taser is able to hold before it's dissolved. Most of most of the tasers, their their cartridge has one shot. That, no. Now that has two, but when I shoot that one shot, if it fails, that taser's done. If you there's two prongs for people that don't know, 
It's like a little fish hook. <laughs> um, it, they're spread. So wherever it hits the person, you know, here to here, that's where that current goes. It's like grabbing a hold of two live wires. That's where that current goes from where those two are. The closer you are, the narrower that spread is. So if I'm really close to you, I may hit here and here. Anybody can fight through that little current. The closer you are, the narrower it is. So the further out you are, the more effective it is. But also, if I miss one of those prongs, it's not effective. Not effective at all. There is no current going through that. Hey, I use my one cartridge. Now I have to go to something else. And, and, and that's why I wanted to clarify this for the viewers at home because, you know, it's again with the media doesn't they, – they don't share the truth. It's a misinformation uh, to make you look wrong, to make every other law enforcement officer – look wrong, you know, why I chose to smash somebody across the back with a billy club opposed to utilizing the tape. It's because of instances like that. And, you know, if the taser was fired already and things like that, you know, that's like half the videos you watch. It's clips. It isn't from beginning of encounter, them assaulting you, the pursuit. Now, all of a sudden, somebody with a camera is watching that. Now you finally caught him after pursuit and watching the proximate end. And it's just like, it's, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And that's why I want to kind of cover some of these things to humanize, you know, the realities of the dangers that law enforcement officers across the you know nation face, you know, regardless if it's a traffic stop, domestic dispute, responding to a murder, responding to a rape, they're all the same. I don't care if it's a misdemeanor or a felony, the, the risk is always going to be there regardless of what call you're going to. Okay. So when you're trying to, process everything of what's going on like you just you know his back's turned to you you don't know what he has in his hand you know how are you supposed to process how do i approach this subject you know and there's so many plays in the mind that you know we got these sideliners clicking through their tv oh look at this guy i can't believe he did that you know it's just so much ignorance out there to where you know i like addressing the realities you know that kind of brings it home for a lot of the individuals that you know, I, I don't call people dumb or ignorant and things like that. But, you know, if you ignore facts, you're ignorant. I don't care what anybody says. You know what I mean? I'll, but um, a, a saying that I've heard that, that if you think about it, really is true. You can teach the ignorant. You can't teach the stupid. And, and ignorance really comes down to lack of knowledge. And disregard um, for what you've been given. Yeah. And, uh, you know, why, why did you hit him in the face with a uh, nightstick or a baton? Why did you do that? That was excessive. Well, the reason why I did that is because I didn't want to kill him. But you don't look at that. Well, you could have shot him with a taser. You could have pepper sprayed him. No, my next option was to kill him. So I tried not to, but they don't want to view it from that angle. So, you know, they want to play it off as, as, worse than it is or any kind of consequence and Not and the early death <laughs> um I, I was responding to one of the comments you know the gentleman said that you know bottom line if you comply you won't die and it's true but it's not even just death though if you comply you know you won't ha have to experience the taser you won't have to experience the billy club or the i love i I love the sticks with the tasers, the cattle prods on them. Those are, those are a blessing, but, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just that 
you know, if you didn't do anything, why does resistance exist? That's that's my that's my argument across the board. I don't I don't care if Jesus was standing here. You know, why are you resisting if you're innocent? Let me just discuss this with you and we'll handle it on a, in a civil manner. You know, and, and I'll say straight up that I do my job and I do it as best I can. I would never do this. I never have done this. But just say that I made up a charge. I want to arrest you. I don't like you. I made up a charge and I'm going to arrest you. And this is just for an example. Like I said, I wouldn't do it. Um, I have more integrity than that. But go along with me. Let me arrest you. Let me take you to jail. Go to court. Discuss it there. You know, and don't chance you getting hurt, me getting hurt, making it worse. You've got your time in court. Don't fight me on scene. Um, and it, it bothers me to say, you know, make up a charge. It bothers me to even say that. But just an example, just do what the officer says. There's not going to be violence. Nobody's going to get hurt. Go to jail. Get out. Go to court. That's where you can discuss it, you know, and the judge can be like, hey, you don't have enough evidence for this. This shouldn't happen. Great. You know, that's settled. Neither one of us got hurt. You know, it, it couldn't have went better. You know, and, and to be devil's advocate on this, okay, because in – I'm not trying to justify making up a charge. I'm not trying to justify wrongfully incarcerating somebody. But what I'm saying is when when facing an instance, if I'm facing a I'm facing subject, a subject and and they're they're and you know there being yep. resistance or you know going against anything that I'm trying to address to them. Okay. It's just that okay, well, hey. The resistance, obstruction, you know, it's there are ways to place that on them. And like you just said, but and in doing so, a lot of times, you know, slowing down the moment gives both parties time to think. As you and I have talked about before, how, you know, you're able to utilize and, you know, it's a blessing. And, you know, I pray that a lot more officers did as you do as far as having a conversation with the subjects on the way to the station. You know, because that ride can do a lot for a lot of individuals because that's what it could come out to. Hey, look, you know, it really didn't have to go here. You know, what was going on prior to our encounter or, you know, what really happened and things like that. But, you know, when people are in fogged minds or the heat of the moment, you know, sometimes it, just, it, it has to come to a moment to where it's not making up a charge. It's still something that is relevant to the moment that, hey, if, you know, if the DA, the judge, anybody you know, where the, the grand jury doesn't agree with what I've placed as far as my order on your arrest, it can be dismissed and everything else. But at least at that moment, I saved lives for a second. You know what I mean? I allowed you to think about what it was that you were doing of what caused the encounter, because maybe next time you'll consider not doing what caused the encounter. You yeah. know, and it's just... <laughs> and, and when you escalate a situation, especially to violence with an officer, um, most of them will pretty much tell you, I don't give a shit what you have to say after that. Um, you know, it really is. And that doesn't even come down to just policing. You know, anybody, if it escalates to a fight, I don't want to discuss anything afterwards. You know, this is how it is. Uh, the same way with that, the 18 year old, uh, I had arrested that I talked to on the way to the station that I ended up helping. Had he fought me that night, I wouldn't have cared to talk to him and discuss anything with him. 
but he didn't. He went along with me, and now, okay, you're you're cool with me. We'll we'll talk about your issues. We'll talk about what we can do. Um, and uh, let me throw this in before I forget it. Associated with the uh, that story, the the funny part of it. Um, when we got back to the station, we got a, or station the the county jail. Uh, we booked a man that was failing charge for assault on a police officer. And he was actually um, so mentally disturbed that they could not put him back in population. They had to keep him up in the holding cells, which some people call the drunk tank. Um, they had to keep him in there the entire stay at the jail because he could not be put in population. And I made an impression on him because at the time we wore the dark navy blue class A uniforms, which uh, for, for lack of being able to explain it, to people that don't know the proper looking uniforms, the old school button up shirt and all that. And they said every time an officer did not matter where they were, every time an officer walked in that jail because they had to go past him that was wearing the same color uniform, they started screaming my name. Every time he would start screaming, Jay Hall, Jay Hall. So I made an impression on him. Not necessarily the best in his mind, I'm sure, but he was bad enough that you know locally usually they'll send you to a, a minor hospital mental facility. They'll throw some pills at you and they'll let you go. They actually sent him off and committed him to a hospital, and that's been five years ago, and he's still gone. That's how bad he was. And I mean, that also- it's just like that, you know. And that's another thing I want to point out to viewers as well too, is you know something that starts off in a bad instance you know, sometimes becomes blessings in a lot of individuals' lives, you know, because, you know, potentially you did save that individual's life. Not only that, you know, they're able to receive treatment themselves, you know, their family is able to see that they're receiving the treatment that they've probably needed for quite some time. You may have, you know, saved the lives of anybody else that they could have injured in their uh, mental incapacitation, you know, and it's, it's things like that, that, you know, the communities don't understand how one little instance does affect the quality of, you know, your community, the surrounding communities, you know, the world itself by just one action, you know, and it's, it's things like that, that, you know, individuals, you don't know how many individuals have came to me after a fact, like, and I'm, I'm kind of glad I had that time out, you know, and the same thing with you, it's like, you know, you change somebody's life ultimately, even though that, you know, other people are like, fuck you change your life for the better they're incarcerated for five years or whatever the case is but at least they're getting that help because if if they were able to care for self they wouldn't still be there i mean it's not like they just hold them there like you're here forever <laughs> you know show us progression and mental capacity and you're more than free to go you know so and he lived in a house with no power no water all the windows are busted out because of him fighting with himself he busted all of them out that that's how he was living that's that's how his mental status was so in all reality he has a better quality of life in a mental facility than he did in his own house 100 um, I, I want to ask you i want to ask you something if you don't mind you don't have to answer it but you know because with you being in you know a, a, a smaller town right and you know instances to where you have run-ins with individuals. I, I know that, you know, 
you know, you've blessed us with sharing about the fact that, you know, you haven't had like, you know, the major incidents and things like that, but, you know, have, has it ever happened to where, you know, individuals that, you know, you've had a incarcerate because of, you know, obviously, you know, the wrong thing that they were doing, you know, have you ever had a run in with somebody that ultimately had to be detained, you know, for a moment or anything like that in a negative sense, or has it just been, you know, the thank you that you've received here recently? Um, you know, in all honesty, where I work, mainly due to the way I do my job, I do it correctly, uh, do it legally, and I'm respectful to people. There's honestly only a very few people in that city that just have an issue with me. And it's not necessarily me. It's the police department. As they said, I'm part of the police department. So there you go. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I'm trying to explain things, how nice I am to them. They don't care. The Hatfield, the Hat, the Hatfield McCoys. Yes. You know, it's, it's the truth, though. It's just like, you know, it's the one is the whole, you know, it's, and one, you know, it's your part of a family. And it's the, hey, you're guilty by association. And that's unfortunate. It's the mindset. And you can turn around and there's a guy um, that I've arrested several times, several felonies. And I'm the reason that he is a felon now that now I think he may still be on parole. But I'm the reason he's a felon. But every time he sees me, he talks to me. Because the way I treated him, he knows what he did. He knows what he didn't do. He knows how I treated him. And he talks to me just fine every time he sees me. So hey, hey how'd you catch me? That, that, that way I can kind of not do that again. <laughs> can be to, you know, they could try to be sneaky, be like, you know, hey, what, what can I do next time that, uh, <laughs> um, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have had that back door <laughs> you came in. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else what else I've got. Uh, I got time. I've got some that I do want to do in a different segment. But uh, um, talking hobbies and stress release. Uh, like time. <laughs> exactly. They, they'll see that. Um, you know, last time I kind of played it off. I was like, you know, there's not a whole lot I do. I talk to the people I know, and that helps, and that that does extremely a lot. And I didn't think about it because I really got out of doing this, but. And it may sound weird to a lot of people, but I will actually paint Friday the 13th masks, uh, Jason masks. I will paint them. And it seems weird, but at the same time, it's kind of the same as doing paintings. You can do what you want. And, and I didn't think about this, but it kind of makes sense. Jason is, when you think about Jason, you probably think about evil, bad person. Um, and to me, why does he do it though? There's there's always an underlining cause to that. There is, but like with the mask, that's what you associate with above all else. And this kind of, I thought about this, kind of makes sense to me that I'm taking that evil and I'm making it what I want. It seems minor. I'm painting it how I want, but I'm making that evil vision how I want. You know, I can control it in a sense. I like um, and it's I'm I'm self-taught. It's nothing professional, but I just wanted to show a couple of examples of what I do. Uh, and I got at it for a long time. I really kind of got down. I didn't want to do much. You know, I, I'd come home and that was about it. 
I talked to, you know, my friends that I have, and that was about it. And recently, I've kind of got back into it, and I just kind of wanted to show some examples. And I start with a blank mask, a white mask. And I've seen some, and I mean, it, it really is amazing what you go, I mean, the progress, and, and you know, you bless us with the step-by-step, -step, you know, because you did that Slipknot mask as well, too. That was just the, the clay mold, and you, you formed it all the way up, and I've seen the Jason mask where it was like, almost like steel, and it was, it's, it's amazing what you do. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, and it is it is a progression, and it's it's something that's kind of self satisfying with the fact of you're seeing how you are progressing and doing something. Um, you know, like I said, the the exact thing of it, you know, painting the mask may be weird, but I'm seeing progression of how I'm making this go. I'm making a a finished product out of something that wasn't there. Uh, this just happens to be, you know, what I got into and. Strangely enough, I got into this because of my five-year-old, which is, I mean, it sounds crazy even to me, even though I know. Uh, thank you, YouTube. He knows every horror movie character, I think, that there has been. And I don't know how some of them. He hasn't watched them on my phone. He hasn't watched them on his mom's phone. I don't know how he knows them. He mentioned Children of the Corn one day. I'm like, how in the hell do you know a movie? <laughs> I was, I was um, back before I was born, boy. <laughs> but just to let people know, he has not seen the horror movies. He sees these little clips where people put on skits. You know, a lot of Marfa, you know, Michael Myers, Dancing Michael. He loves Dancing Michael. There's nothing violent about it. You hear Michael Myers, that's it. That's it. He, he finds the humor in it. He doesn't watch the video of them. And even... Even in what they do in the movies, he will even tell you stuff like, I know they're not real. I know this is not real. He already has an understanding of, hey, this is just something that's put on. I didn't at that age. I'm like, oh, my God, they're coming to get me. Um, But I did want to kind of show a couple just examples of, of what I do to just to kind of show. Um, like I said, I start with something blank, something white every time, and I kind of make it what I want, do the details that I want. Um, That's my ringtone. And I even have one of those. Finally one, and I do have a mask collection. I'm not going into that because that's a little much for some people to handle, even though it's not crazy. But they're, you know, I'm, that's just weird. Well, I'm a cop, so... <laughs> uh, but like you know this that started with just blank white mask you know i kind of made it the dirtied up version and um this i made it you know kind of like the rusted look yeah that's the one that's what i was talking about right there i love that one and uh, these are actually all new. I kind of misplaced the ones that I had that you've seen in a move, and it is driving me nuts trying to figure them out. So I'm kind of starting from scratch. But, you know, and one more, I, I wanted to try to do a worn-out look, a scratched-up look. And I'm not a professional whatsoever when it comes to this stuff. Are those actual not. scratches, or is that, like, paint that make it look like scratches? It is scratches, but it takes the paint to look like it. If you scratch it up, it's still the same color. Um, and this one, I, I just kind of got it in my, my head that I wanted to do one. I wanted to do a law enforcement one. And 
I, I had to custom do some of this stuff because they don't make these stickers in this color and they don't make this and that. But this is what I came up with. And if you can see. If you haven't served, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> and so, you know, all of them I do are not just kind of the macabre looking things. I like to do it for entertainment. I like to. It's a canvas is what it comes down to. Do. And it's something that that helps me relax. Helps me, you know, de-stress. It's something I can concentrate on that's not a stressful situation. And sometimes you have to grab onto whatever you can because you need that that stress relief. You need that concentration on something else. As minor as it may be, if you enjoy it, do it. And you control it, your fears in a sense. You know what I mean? It, it's funny because that's what these horror things are about is, you know, invoking that fear. And, you know, in what you do, in a sense... You know, you're controlling what that fear is as far as what your your vision of, you know, that masked man coming in there. You know, and it's I think it's beautiful. It's awesome. man. Yeah. And that's what you think. You know, oh, man, Jason's coming after me. He's going to kill me. Well, guess what? I just took his mask and I made it what I wanted. I made him what I wanted to be. So I'm in a confused, like, hold on, is that me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in a sense, I'm controlling a bad situation. It, I, I didn't think about it to start with, but it kind of does make sense now that I think about it that way. A hundred percent, you know, and you know, that too, and it's keeping your mind off a lot of things too. And like you, you know, and as you pointed out, like, you know, prior to this broadcast, you know, about the different stress reliefs and everything else that it provides you, you know, because an occupied mind in something positive you know, kind of eliminates any of the other stressors or depression or the heavy weight that a lot of times our minds may carry and everything as well, too, you know. So, you know, it's That's always good for finding a, a good avenue to, you know, have that release and, you know, comfort of our minds, right? And, and a good saying, auto hands is the devil's workshop. Yes, sir, 100%. It, you let yourself get into your own mind and make it work. Awesome. And the, hey, another thing too, another like little fun fact that I never knew. Like, I never knew Silent Hill was because I, I knew like Resident Evil and everything was based off the video game, but I never knew Silent Hill was based off the the Konami uh, video game until I seen your little statue with the, the pyramid head. And and I'll let you know something. You may not even know the way you said that. Um, that video game, that movie was it is based on a real place. Um. It's Centralia is the name of the town. I believe it's in Pennsylvania. Uh, brief history lesson. Uh, small town. They had a dump. It was getting full, so they decided to burn it off. Let it burn for a day or two, doused it with water. Well, problem being, this town was a mining town. It was an old mining town. When they burned it, it heated up that coal. It caught that coal on fire underground, and it actually started burning all these caves they had dug out for mines and they have tons and tons of coal still in them so literally over time this town had a fire completely engulfed underneath the city it was releasing wow. steam it was releasing you know carbon monoxide all the ash <laughs> the ash it had sinkholes it had roads collapsing and if you watch the movie that happens there's there's roads collapsing. There's this whole, you know, foggy, steamy area. 
and all that's really based on a real a real place. If anybody wants to look up, uh, cool. it's called Centralia, and it, it's really an interesting place and and uh, something a lot of people don't know. And you know, a lot of this stuff is based on some kind of true story, which is really cool when you actually look into it. You know, further than just the surface of what you see in a movie. Um, that stuff really interests me and uh, kind of helps me concentrate on other stuff. That learning. Well, those- it's nice though because I mean. There's a reality in the terror that exists, you know. There is, and and something that's kind of cool, or really, it's I don't want to say cool. It's interesting to think that town probably could have been saved. Last I looked, now this has been years ago. Uh, there was 16 people in that community that just refused. <laughs> um, 16. And I, I'm sure it's dwindled down a whole lot more than that. And the government allowed them to stay, but they cannot pass down their property. When they die, that's it. The government owns it. But the town probably could have got fixed had there been immediate action. The city council, town council, whichever you want to consider that, messed around. Oh, well, let's let's look into our avenues we could do. Well, let's look into the cost. Well, this costs too much. Let's figure out how to do this. And the entire time this is going on, these fires are progressing into the town. So they basically waited so long. I think they said that maybe a thousand dollars was going to be the original cost to try to contain this to the point they, they messed around again. I think this was back in the seventies. Um, it, it went up to like 60 or $75,000 from just a couple thousand to that didn't work till they had to go even more. And it just, they messed around to the point of being cheap that they just, the entire town had to be evacuated. And that kind of comes down a little bit to police work. You have to make a quick decision sometimes to help a situation from getting worse. And that's another thing too. And, you know, going back to the whole comply mentality aspect of it to where, you know, how do you calmly get somebody to vacate a home that's been there for that bit that's been theirs for years, you know, to protect them. You know, a lot of at times it's out of sight, out of mind, like down here in Florida, hurricane season, it's like, fuck, I'm not going anywhere. If it gets me, it gets me, you know? And it's like, well, h- how do you, you know, having to protect a community because sometimes, you know, residents remaining can harm, you know, the safety and well-being of others around them and you know they may not see it that way but you know the jobs of law enforcement is to evacuate and it's and it does play a large role in that it's like you know hey how do we do this in an effective efficient manner in a timely manner especially you know on getting everybody evacuated in a safe calm manner in a hurry <laughs> you know yeah. so you know, and I get, hey, my property's my property, you know, certain stuff means stuff to me. But at the same time, when I run back into a house to get it or when I refuse to leave a dangerous situation, I'm putting more people at risk because they have to come in after me. So now not only am I in danger, I'm endangering them to come in and save me. How many times do you hear about officers, firemen, um, you know, any kind of emergency personnel dying to try to save somebody? And a lot of those times it was preventable they could have saved themselves and kept that from even having to happen. Well, that too. And a lot of individuals, you know, and especially in an instance like with fire, you know, it's, you know, they go in there to pull an individual out. That individual wants to try to scurry to go get a belonging or something like that. That's, you know, irreplaceable or 
you know, a kitten that might be upstairs on the third floor and it's, you know, they're jeopardizing the life of the fireman or anybody else, law enforcement officer that's coming in there to try to, you know, pull them from that home. And it's, you know, split second decisions that, you know, could be preventable. Yeah. You know, and given, yeah, my, my uh, photos are not replaceable. Um, kids toys that mean something to me are not replaceable. Neither is that life coming through that door to pull me out of that residence replaceable. Um, and it kind of, I don't even want to say that, but, um, it, it does. You've got to think, Hey, there's other people that's risking their life to come in and save me because I came in to save some pictures. And it's the, and again, it's the, well, you could have done more officer hall. You could have done more. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's like, yeah. What are, you know, what do you want me to do? Go in and tase them and drag them out? I mean, <laughs> taste the cat. <laughs> oh my God. I shouldn't say this. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Uh, this is, this is horrible. So <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing really, but I, I will tell it for entertainment sake. Um, when I work with the sheriff's office, we are a fairly rural County. Well, we had a call of several cows out more common than you think but we were driving by i got all of them in just by driving by them i think it was only like a two row electric fence all of them got in except for this one little defiant like we just discussed little defiant thing. okay when when you take the cartridge out of a taser it's a stun gun like you know you stick it to somebody's skin and it hurts like hell it's the old school stun guns is what it is it doubles but a lot of times when you take the cartridge out and you hit it that popping noise will scare an animal a lot of times it'll scare a dog it'll scare an animal my mindset is i'm going to do that it's going to scare this cow because it's right at this fence line i'm kind of trying to cut it off it's going to run across the fence okay makes sense right in my trying to drive my patrol car, trying to get my taser out, trying to think about is what I'm doing dumb or not. <laughs> it was, by the way. I forget to take the cartridge out of my taser. I shoot this cow with the prongs from a taser. And now it went in. It went in in a hurry. But now I have to explain to my sheriff why I am short a cartridge for my taser. <laughs> I taste the cow is why he did not like that idea. I did not <laughs> like him that either, but you know, what am I going to do? Hide it? And then a farmer calls, Hey, why do I have prongs in my cow? Well, I forgot to tell you about this story. <laughs> That's the cartridge is out, but you know, I and that that's one of my kind of embarrassing stories, but you know, I will it did happen, I will tell it for entertainment's sake. For did my own Well, I mean to kinda to kinda go with it. I mean, did it get the job done what you're trying to do by just kind of scaring it? It did. It got it back in there. Well, I mean, it's purpose served, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, it's the it's a kind of a win win ish. <laughs> 
ish ish is a very good, good way of saying that. Um, but uh, I'm kind of running out of time, but I still have material that I want to cover, you know, in a later segment. That oh, I mean, I want to make this as frequent as possible, you know, because I mean, you know, and again, going back to the humanizing aspect of this all, you know, I. I I, I love you being open about, you know, sharing some of the personal stories that you've experienced, you know, some of the embarrassing moments, you know, it, as you even say, I mean, it's, it's, it's stuff like this, that more officers, more first responders, more dispatchers need to do to kind of get that heaviness, you know, off of their shoulders and things like that. And it, cause it, it, it humanizes, it makes it know, Hey, we're real, 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 we're real people too, you know, and everything else too, man. I mean, it's a blessing that you allot me the time to speak with y'all have you on here as frequently as possible. I mean, if, you know, depending on shift, I mean, if we wanted to, you know, kind of block out a specific day each week, a couple days each week, you know, specific times, you know, we get this whole segment going because I also have this. So after each video, I run it into a podcast format as well too, to where it's audio only. So if individuals wanted to like kind of listen to it on a drive or, you know, kind of because it's on Spotify, I have it on RSS. I have it actually on, so on my truth website, the streaming truth are these so, videos. So no, the, uh, talk to everybody now. Yeah. And this is the, and, and then the podcast is actually to where they can just like listen and stream the actual, just uh, the actual audio of it. They can play it in their tunes. They can download it, whatever the case may be. And then so they could just have all of your segments. And what I'll do is, you know, as these keep going on, I'll group it all together to where it's just segment or segment of strictly just, you know, the different, you know, experiences that you've shared, different strategies that you utilize to kind of overcome the stresses and things like that that you face and, you know, different hobbies and just, you know, sharing real life shit that kind of, you know, makes it more bearable a lot of times, you know. And. And I'm not calling anybody out in case they're watching this, but it goes for a lot of people. Some people want to help others, um, help their friends, help others. Make time for yourself as well, because if you're stressed out and you're beyond your mental capacity to help somebody else, you're not able to help them and you're just you're tearing yourself down. Um, and on top of that, too, like the, the mental frustration that we have of, you know, our bills, our family, our jobs, everything else. And then all of a sudden we're trying to help somebody else, the pressure of all of their shit going on, you know, we can become bitter or just, you know, say things the wrong way that we didn't mean them and we're doing more harm to them than we're doing good. So I'm, that, I mean, that's a great point. I'm glad you just said that. It's yeah, and you're, you're deteriorating yourself along with it. You may not realize it until a certain point, but the bad part is, if you let your get to yourself to that certain point, it's it's kind of hard to recover from that. It's it's really hard to recover from that. So, so like we were just discussing, you know, make time for yourself, however it need to be. You know, if it's like, you know, <laughs> uh, look, asshole, I'm gonna have time to myself. I need this. You can deal with our problems wherever you need to. That it comes to a point, you know, hey, that's that's for your good mental health that you just have to you have to make that time um you know which is kind of why i went into the things that i do and and what i can do to try to de-stress because if i'm worn down it's hard for me to help anybody you know much less try to help myself recover from it 
And another, another thing too, I know, I know you're like, you know, taking notes on pages and everything, you know, a lot of phones, you have a voice recorder. Start, start like recording certain thoughts. I mean, if, whether you're driving or sitting at your house or if something wakes you up at night, open the voice recorder on your on your phone and just speak it. And then, you know, sometimes hearing yourself later on of what you just read into that voice recorder, it's therapy in itself. You know, plus it helps you actually have talking points later on. And then also with like this platform, if you ever wanted to pre-record yourself on something that you wanted to share with somebody, I'll give you access to this platform where you could just come on and just record a, you know, a show or just different thoughts. And then we'll broadcast that and then we'll hold a show for follow-up questions of what people like heard about the different things that you said. And we can have a show, a question and answer show, you know, based on the broadcast that you did, you know, just by yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and like I said, yeah, I, I wrote down a lot, but a lot of mine was on the spot, you know, Hey, I, I want to do a podcast and I want to try to talk about this stuff and stuff that I've wrote down is page after page after page. And this is stuff I've come up with off the bat. So I can imagine some of the talking points that I could really come up with if I did do stuff on the spot. That's impressive. And, oh, there's there's this and this. <laughs> uh, I try to cover everything so I, I don't forget stuff I do want to cover. Hey, and that's one of the benefits that, you know, we complain in law enforcement about having to write reports. But then, you know, <laughs> hey, it's training us for writing shit like that down, you know? <laughs> and. And real quick before I get off here, and it, this is really kind of on a, a serious note, a personal note. You were talking about a voice recorder, and somebody had mentioned this had a, a, a family member pass away that that I know, and had made a post about this on Facebook. And it's really, really ringing true that you need to have messages from people that matter to you. You need to have voice recordings, save them. You know when you get them because if something does happen to them then that's your it's a very personal way to reminisce about them especially if you can hear their voice and something that i i didn't really have access to because uh my mother died i guess about 18 years ago you know that, that's a long time regardless but i didn't really have the access to, to text messages um voicemails on cell phones and stuff like that but i realized a while back you know my defense is to try to put stuff out of sight out of mind it's not a good defense i'm working on it but that was it for a long time and i realized i have done that so much that i cannot even remember my mom's voice anymore that that's a tough thing to realize so you know i can't change that but it's something i can try to get out there for people to think about you know that is something i need to keep that is something that may you know, may mean a whole lot, even if it's just calling, you know, hey, what are you doing? Do you want to go eat? That can really hit home when something happens and you still just you have that. You know, and I've purpose I've purposely kicked people to voicemail that I knew were falling ill or you know, it, it sounds morbid, but I purposely kicked them to voicemail so that I had that recording. And, you know, I, I can't believe you just said it like that because it's perfect. It really is. You know, and, you know, because one of my regrets to kind of, you know, share some personal things as well, too, is, you know, I've always stored letters. I prefer letters over photographs because it's explaining the moments, you know, but, you know,
know, I, I felt susceptible to what you just said as well, too, to where, you know, I'm reading the letters and, you know, back when that voice was still fresh, it was if they were reading it to me. But because of that lapse of time, the voice is non-existent. And it, it really is painful. And, it, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, hey, that's just, you know, BS, whatever the case is. But that does become painful through the course of time, especially in grieving processes, because, you know, regardless of amount of time passed, you know, when something was meant so much to us, whether it be family, whether it be an item, whether it be anything, 20 years, 50 years isn't ever going to fucking make me forget about, you know, some of the individuals that I've lost in my life, you know, and then, you know, me having to have that realization that I no longer can remember their voice, you know, their smell, the feel of their touch or anything like that. It's painful. It really is. You know, so then I get even more depressed when I read the letters because I can't play that voice in my head. It's, it sucks, and it sucks. that you mentioned letters, you know, in all honesty, about the only thing I have left from her physically is a letter from her to her sister, which has also passed away. That kind of means a lot to me, even though it's not to me. It it shows me pure emotion from her to her sister. It's not something she's trying to relay to me directly. I can feel the emotion that she had connected to, you know, her sister, and that that really. You know, and I, I don't want to go into like our last conversation you know, about the viewers about, you know, you were talking about like some of the struggles that, you know, that mom had and things like that. But, you know, being able to know another side or, you know, seeing emotion outside of the struggles, which, you know, unfortunately you had a bear witness to and stuff like that as well, too. So, I mean, it's and it's it seems little to a lot of people, but there's such magnitude to certain things like that. You know, memorabilia that it's just, you know, and I tell people all the time that, you know, the reasons why I've started nonprofits, the reasons why I, I selflessly give to people and, you know, I do things for free and I just try to promote other people's like well-being. It's because of the loss I've sustained and I value, you know, meaning something every time and trying to encourage other people to you know, make that value in somebody else's life and, you know, have that memorable moment and like have different leeways. You can go back and kind of read that to where it's never really forgotten. And, you know, if, you know, nobody's really dead, if my daily actions are reflecting as if they were still here with me, they're still alive, you know, and, and that's just what I encourage everybody. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, no, they're still not here, but yeah, they are. You know, if I if I go to a park or if I go to a restaurant that I used to go to with a loved one, a friend or whatever the case is that I lost, it's still I can still share that moment as if they're still there. I mean, even though physicality isn't there, it's still, you know, there, you know, and same thing with like suicide prevention and stuff like that. You know, there are ways that, you know, physicality doesn't always have to be present, you know, memories or you know, things like that to kind of keep ourselves or another voice, call somebody else that can kind of relate that may have been in that same moment or something, you know, so it's, it's vital. And that's everything we do is create memories. And there's a reason. Yes, sir. You know, and, and that's why, like, you know, and also, I mean, outside of that, I mean, outside of even like your personal circle and stuff like that, you know, John, it's like, you know, every subject that you run into every day, you know, it's uh, you're making a memory with them as well, too. And just like you said, they were, you know, the reason why you've never had the negative lashback is because of how fair, how just and just how human 
you are in dealing with those individuals. So you're creating memory for them. Oh, yeah, you know, 20 years from now. Yeah, about 20 years ago, I was back there. I was drinking out there, and this old officer hall came up to me and was, <laughs> you know, there's going to be a story to be told. You know what and I mean? And you're, you're creating memories. And we do have, we create, whether it is good, bad, or in between, you know, so. And in my interaction and, and giving them a memory really could make the difference in their entire view of law enforcement. Exactly. You know, that officer, the first time they've ever dealt with an officer, you know, he was an asshole. Now that's my whole thought about officers is they're all assholes. So, you know, that, that can make being nice to somebody can make a whole lot more difference than what you, you think on the surface. And stuff, you know, I, I made a I made a post earlier, and it's one of the things that I was getting at about like knowing history and stuff like that, because you know, we, we can't combat it's you know, I, I say this about people that feel that they're discriminated against, that are profiled against, or anything like that. It's like, well, we'll do the opposite, prove people wrong. And it's the same thing with you know, us in law enforcement, first responders, military, and everything else like that. You know, if we start taking and just doing little things and we're not going out of our way to do it, you know, if if I'm on patrol and I just happen to just go stop at a playground or something like that and throw a ball with a kid or just, you know, stop by and knock on somebody's door. I don't need anything. I was just calling to make sure, you know, see how you're doing. Say, hey, you know, it, it's it sounds stupid, but it's little things like that that does change the way that people view an individual or the group as a whole. I mean, it's, well, you know, one person really can change the outlook on, you know, how society views individuals, cultures, races, law enforcement, first responders, military, everything. Well, I had had some instances uh, where a a child, uh, say, four or five, six. Um, I'll give you one example. I had went to do a welfare check on a girl. She had a, a girl. She was probably about five years old and she had a, a smaller child with her that she was holding everything was fine the girl had ran up to me and asked me where my police hat was <laughs> so i don't you know i don't have one whatever the end of that that's that was it simple well she ran off to her place that when i started to leave she started yelling me to wait she ran over to me and gave me a hug kissed me on the cheek you know and that was it so small simple action i've had other instances where the the kids really like police. They wanted to give me a hug before I left. You know, small action. They don't think anything about it. But what What if I had refused? No, I'm not hugging you. I'm not hugging your kid. You know, I don't have to say, you know, th there's nothing I have to say with them. I'm not here because of them. Right. That can make a huge, huge difference in the parent's life, especially in the kid's life. You know, hey, this person that I really like, I really look up to was, was rude to me. He was mean to me. And, you know, I don't like them anymore. You know, I don't like police because of that. And you, you really got to kind of think the That's effect. That's a great point, John. That really is. That's a great point. But uh, I'm I'm about out of time. But I, I covered a lot of a lot of things I did want to cover. I've still got more to cover. But I, I think it was a pretty good variation. Yeah, I, I mean, and I appreciate you being so open about, you know, your own personal life. I mean, that, that really means a lot. And I'm sure it means a lot to a lot of the viewers as well, too. You know, because it's just, it, it really needs to be addressed. And, you know, it is humanizing and it is those little steps that do matter. And it kind of changes the culture of, you know, law enforcement, first responders and military. It really does. I so, agree. again, 
thank thank you so much and just you know just let me know when you're available again and if uh you know we can have we can kind of you know talk after this and things like that but if i'll give you access to where you know i have four three or four different uh platforms that you may be able to utilize you know this one especially to where if you just wanted to first thing in the morning log on and just do your own personal video we can air that and then you know have like a segment to where we tell individuals hey you know think of some comments questions and things like that to ask and then we'll schedule it to where we have a question and answer session and things like that as well too you know start and, getting more engagement and stuff too yeah and i'm all for that you know anything that somebody wants to add questions i mean that just adds to hey you know that may jar my memory of you know yeah this stuff happened i didn't even think about and uh, I'm all for that. And hopefully our next session, I won't have to be driving a DeLorean. <laughs> I can get there now. A, a quick question. Uh, are you able on your side to see the views that come across? I'm not. All the I can comments. See. Do you Do you see? Do you see the comments? Yeah, I see them on yours. All I see is just you and I on this this uh, you know, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna have to that's what i gotta figure out how to do is how to adjust it to where you see that because you know like kayla made a comment and stuff like that you know on here and that's who i was responding to when i was like kind of talking into the phone so i gotta figure out how to get you the live feed i probably gotta do it because because i set it up now to where facebook live can see it plus i have it on the Streamyard platform so i have to get it to where i guess i grant the guest permission visibility of the different uh you know because like you So, thank you all for joining me today. Stay tuned. There you are. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I want you to be able to see, like, those comments as well, too, you know, because, you know, a lot of them are directed towards you and questions and comments and things, so... That's one of the things I'm going to look into after this because I thought you could see these already. So I don't know if the Facebook Live part, if I have to grant the guest permission to be able to see the comments or something like that. But, you know, we'll keep tweaking it each time as we grow it. Yeah, sounds all good. Right. Thank you so much for your time. Stay safe and stay blessed in all things, brother. All right. Thank you, buddy. Always. It's a pleasure. Bye.